The following is a King's Chapel, Alaska presentation with Pastor Daniel Bracken. Our passion's making disciples of Jesus Christ who fulfill God's call and help us be the personal, powerful, permeating church God's called us to be. For more information, visit kcalaska.com or find us on Facebook. Here's Pastor Daniel. Remain standing, take your Bibles and turn to the book of Acts today, Acts chapter 21. Acts 21, I wrestled with the Lord and was able to get away without my hip being put out of joint. But hopefully I've received some change. I wrestled with him because I was not quite certain about what he wanted to do this morning. I'm somewhat anxious, or I should say uh, I am anticipating these next messages in the book of Genesis. I can hardly wait. I can hardly wait to preach them to you, but I'm going to have to because the Lord really spoke to me to bring a special word this morning about what to do with your prophetic word. We have just completed our 11th annual prophetic conference. Prophecy is something that flows freely here along with the other gifts, and we pray that even in a greater way in all of our services for God to manifest himself and to touch our lives and change us, but it's very important to have some sound teaching on how to handle prophetic words. And I felt like the Lord said, you're going to do this uh, this morning. So we're looking forward to it. Acts chapter 21. Don't miss tonight. My dear friend, Dr. Michael Gannon, going to be bringing the word. Services at 6 p.m. Acts 21, find verse 10. Then we will look at 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 18 and 19. Then we'll go to 1 Timothy 4. Verse 14, and the final fourth scripture for this morning will be 1 Corinthians 14, 3. Are you ready? Acts 21, verse 10. If you're all there, say, woo! And we stayed many days. A certain prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. And when he had come to us, he took Paul's belt, bound his own hands and feet, and said, Thus says the Holy Spirit, So shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man who owns this belt, and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. And when he heard these things, we, both we and those from that place pleaded with him not to go up to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, quote, What do you mean by weeping and breaking my heart? For I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. So when he would not be persuaded, we ceased, saying, The will of the Lord be done. Turn to 1 Timothy now. First Timothy chapter 1, verse 18. This charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage the good warfare having faith and a good conscience, which some having rejected concerning the faith, have suffered shipwrecked. I'm going to go ahead and read verse 20. Of whom Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I delivered to Satan, that they might not learn, to bla- that they might learn not to blaspheme. Wow. Go to chapter 4 of that same book, 1 Timothy. Verse 
1 Timothy 4, just one verse, verse 14. Do not neglect. Don't what? Don't neglect the gift that is in you, which is given you by prophecy with the laying on of hands of the eldership. All right. Go now to 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 3. But he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. Let's pray. Father, move in power. Amen. You may be seated. Praise God. Somebody said, if you're not prayed and anointed before you get in the pulpit, don't try to start pulling it off there. The, t- the clock is ticking, and I'm anxious to get to this word. I believe in prophecy. How many of you believe in the prophetic word? I believe in prophecy. My life is marked by it. In fact, having taught the general session upstairs, which some of you were in, I began to be overwhelmed at the amount of things that have happened in my own life where God supernaturally intervened and spoke using animals. I said animals. I said, what? He used a donkey, didn't he? I'll tell you the story, so before you judge me, it's everything you hear and happens here will be biblical. God has, God has done all kinds of supernatural things in my life. And I was overwhelmed as I began to recall those, bringing, bringing teaching to those that are a part of that conference. The largest conference we've had in 11 years is over 400 registered people. And it was amazing. It was life-changing. Prophecy in Scripture is astounding to me when I think about Isaiah 53, 700 years prior to the first advent of Jesus. There's two advents. The first advent is that he comes as a suffering servant. That already happened. The second advent is when he splits the eastern sky. Amen. So it's two advents. Isaiah 53 is 700 years before Jesus ever came. Isaiah prophesied that there would come. You read Isaiah 53, you can't get away from he was bruised for our for our transgressions. He was pierced for our iniquities. The chastisement that brought us peace was upon him. Talks about Jesus. Amazing. In fact, uh, over 700 scriptures in the Old Testament talk about the Messiah and Jesus fulfilling every one of those. Kind of amazing. I think about uh, Isaiah chapter 44 and how it talks about Cyrus, mine anointed, it says King James, is the only Gentile in all of scripture that's called the anointed. The anointed one, Jesus Christ, Christ, is, is the Greek word for anointed one, or, or even Messiah. So when Isaiah 44, when Isaiah says, Cyrus, mine anointed, who I've taken by my, my, his right hand to lead him, and he prophesies about this guy, Cyrus, here's the thing. He's not even born yet. He's not even born, but Isaiah prophesies that there's going to come this one Cyrus. And over a hundred plus years later, this guy Cyrus is born, and he's on the scene. He's the king of Persia, and he leads God's people into basically breaking them out of Babylon and bringing them back home after the 70 years of captivity were completed. And I will tell you that it is a remarkable passage of Scripture when you read the book of Daniel and other places. In fact, on the night that Babylon fell, a city that they had, they could have chariot races on the tops of the wall, it was considered absolutely impossible to take that city down. But Cyrus went, had a plan. So I read in one occasion, uh, one historian said that Cyrus actually saw the scrolls of Isaiah and got a battle plan of how to take down Babylon. Babylon is one of the wonders of the world. 
And so they go to march on Babylon, but they didn't know at that exact same time. Everybody say the same time. The same time inside the palace, in this gigantic banqueting hall, Nebuchadnezzar's son decides to use the articles of the temple. It's like the last straw. You know, I can take so much and I can take no more kind of thing. Use the articles of the temple to celebrate. And it was like it was the final thing for, for God to come and bring judgment. And this hand appears on the wall. Have you ever heard that expression? The handwriting's on the wall, Jack. Right? Well, that comes from the book of Daniel. This, as Daniel is called into this gigantic banqueting, they had peacocks that would carry, pull the carts around. You can't imagine the opulence they had. They had, in fact, when, it, when Babylon fell on all the gold, they say it could not be measured. There was no way to measure. There, there was no measurement for the amount of gold and silver that they took out of that place. Isaiah 44, the, I'll give you the riches, hidden riches of darkness. So on the night that Babylon fell, they used these articles of gold and silver. It's like the sin that pushes it over the top. And a, a hand appears and writes on the wall, many, many tequila praise him, which is, you've been found, you've been weighed and found lacking. And Dan, they don't know what that means. They're all freaked out. They're terrified. Some, you know, can you imagine just a hand, just a hand shows up and writes on the wall. So everybody is terrified. And Daniel comes in and he sees the handwriting on the wall and he interprets it for the king and says, you've been found lacking this night. The kingdom is going to be taken from you. Do you know what's happening exactly when Daniel's saying that, Cyrus is storming the gates. In fact, it's said that there was not even a battle because they had left the gates open because everybody was so freaked out at the miraculous appearance of this, of this hand. And Anyway, they came in, and there wasn't really even a battle. And, they, and Babylon fell. And the, captive, the, the, the Jews that had been there captive for 70 years, which Jeremiah prayed, uh, Jeremiah prophesied, and Daniel prayed, three times a day because he knew he was coming to completion. Listen, prophecy is important. The book that you hold, the Bible, is a prophetic book. And we're standing in the midst of tremendous times of prophetic fulfillment. Let, let me just tell you the story about the animals talking to me. I'm not Dr. Seuss or whatever his name is. Doolittle. Doolittle. Dr. Doolittle. Fred Flintstone was the first kid cartoon character that prayed in tongues, I will say that. But let me just say that I was riding a bike. I was riding a bike, and I was deeply depressed. I was about 25, 26 years old, something like that. And I was so depressed that I'm riding a bike for a living. I had different pictures for being 25. I didn't think I'd be riding a bike. The thing didn't even have gears. I didn't even own a car. I had nothing, except I had Jesus, which I didn't know at that time was really everything. I was on fire for God, but I was rehearsing all of my failures as I rode a bike down a mountain with 13 people on, 13 older people, people that are probably my age now, <laughs> riding bikes behind me. And I'm riding my bike, and I begin to rehearse all the failures in my life, and I hear the sound of a bird. And, and, and it, it completely distracts me from my pity party. I'm like, what's going on? And I can't see the bird, but I, as I go, I'm going 15 to 20 miles an hour. I don't see the bird, but it's, it's, it's in my ear practically. I, I don't see it. I've told this story many times. And I'm looking, I'm like, man, 
man, I'm kind of feeling lighter, and I sort of feel his presence. And I look, and I see a bird very close to me, just off the side of the road, flying right next to me. And as I, when I saw the bird, I immediately got the interpretation of the bird song in my own heart. And God sang to me. He sang to me about the plan he had for my life. Listen, you can call it weird all you want to. I'm thinking if God can use a donkey, he can use a bird. And God spoke to me, and I got the interpretation of the great plan that he has for my life and that he was proud of me and not to be discouraged. It was going to be okay. And I felt all of that depression lift, and I began to rejoice. The presence of God came on me on my bike, and I began to sing. And I mean, all that left. And honestly, I never had an, I don't think I've ever had depression since that day. Listen, if you ever fight, fought with depression, you know what a miracle that is. I don't think I ever had depression ever again. A bird. I think about, I believe in prophecy. But you've got to learn how to handle it. You've got to learn how to judge it. You have to learn how to weigh it. And there's a lot of fruitcakes out there. My, uh, my, my wife and I, Pastor Karen, she, you know, we courted and... Um, but before that, we just weren't sure. I guess the Lord spoke to her and uh, spoke to her clearly that I was her husband. And uh, I think I had a hard time hearing. I was scared is what it was. I was unhealed. She knew, and I was delayed in hearing. She didn't say anything to me. That's a good thing. She said, well, God's going to have to talk to that knucklehead. Amen. I was scared of making mistakes. I, I had gotten free, and I was on fire for God. And I was walking out of a meeting, a series of meetings, all those years ago, walking towards a car that, I had a car then, except my wife called it the ashtray. I'm not quite sure. We didn't smoke, so we had a car that resembled an ashtray. It was, you remember my orange VW convertible? Thing needed help. Anyway, I walk into my car, and the Lord speaks to me as clear as a bell and says, turn around and look at your bride. I turn around and I have an open vision, I mean like clouds and Karen in a wedding gown walking towards me, presence of God all over me. She's coming closer and closer. The closer she got, the more nervous I got, the more presence I felt. She got closer and closer and soon the vision evaporated and Pastor Karen was just looking at me just like this. Isn't that right? And she said, Are you okay? I said... I said no. Okay. And then she skipped off. Go ahead, skip off. <laughs> well, that's what happened. That's the truth. And as I, I left that experience thinking, what? 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 Lord, you set me free, and, and now you're going to bless me like that? Oh, God. And I asked him to speak to me through a prophet. I, I could have crying so hard on my way home in my ashtray car. I had to pull over, and I made a deal with God. And I think the whole thing came from the Lord. I, I made a deal. Lord, I, I want you to speak to me in the Word. I want a, I want a prophet to pull me out and, and tell me that I've found my wife, basically. And, and thirdly, I want my mother to give me the, 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 the wedding, the engagement ring from my family, which is hundreds of years old and brought over from England like forever ago. And I wasn't going to ask. Do you know every one of those things happened? Everyone. Every time I open the word, marriage, 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 supper of the Lamb, Adam and Eve, everywhere, everywhere, Cana, on and on and on. Cindy Jacobs called me out and said, Daniel, the Lord showed you your wife. Praise the Lord. (laughs) 
I sat down, and then the ring, I was in worshiping the Lord. My mother was next to me on one side, Karen on the other. My mother's holding her hands like this, and she hits me. I put my hand out, and she drops the ring in my hand. I then went on my knees for a little while, got up, turned on one knee in church, front row, and asked her to marry me. And to my surprise, she said yes. I believe in prophecy. I believe in supernatural encounters. I believe that God is a speaking God. Come on, someone say, God's a speaking God. And our conference that we just had was absolutely amazing. It was amazing. I want to look at these four scriptures here, look at these texts, and glean some things from them. The first one is found in Acts chapter 21, 10 through 14. The Apostle Paul is personally prophesied over by this guy, Agabus. And it's a warning. It's a, the, the prophetic word is a warning. And that's a little concerning, but prophetic words can come like that. But it didn't shock him, you'll notice. They pleaded with him. And he said, you're breaking my heart. I'm going. I'm going. And what's interesting to me is that that's not the first time he got that word. The Apostle Paul was, had already received words concerning the matter of going to, to Jerusalem and the persecution that he was going to experience. He said he did. Yeah, he did. It was a confirmation of what was going to happen for a number of reasons. But let me read this to you. In Acts chapter 20, verse 22 and 24, he's in Ephesus, as, and he says in verse 22, And see now I go bound in the Spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there, except the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that chains and tribulations await me. How does the Holy Spirit say that? I think it could have been a bird. But it's prophetic people flowing in the prophetic. It's a lot of different things. The Holy Spirit speaks through the Word of God, can speak through circumstances, can speak through counsel, can speak through a prophetic voice. Come on, He can speak through your inner voice. How many of you know? How how do I know what His voice sounds like? Do you remember when you gave your heart to Jesus? That day you gave your heart to Jesus? When you just felt like, I need to get right with God. Yeah, that's His voice. He's talking to you. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. It's it's, it's this spooky factor. It doesn't have to be like, uh, you know, it doesn't have to be like that. Come on, God's a speaking God. Say it with me. God's God's a speaking God. So the Apostle Paul is personally prophesied over. It's a prophetic word. It's a warning. And he'd already received these warnings all along. In fact, he's in Corinth, and he writes to the church in Rome. In Romans 15, turn there with me. They'll put it on the screen if you can. Romans 15, verse 30 through 33. He says, now I beg you, brethren, through the Lord Jesus Christ and through the love of the Spirit, that you strive together with me in prayers to God for me, that I may be delivered from those in Judea who do not believe, and that my service, he was bringing an offering to them, that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable for the saints. Wow. Amazing. That I may come to you with joy by the will of God, And it may be refreshed together with you. Now the God of peace be with you all. Amen. He's writing to the church in Rome. You know, God answers all of that. If you think about what he asked for, he asked for protection. God gave it to him. If you you look in his life, he shows up at Jerusalem. There's a riot that breaks out. The Roman soldiers basically spare him. He declares that he's a citizen. So he's got to be heard. He's heard and brought basically to Rome. And so the, the very prayer, I want, I long to come to you that, that we could just celebrate. Yeah, he went. He didn't know he was going to go, you know, as a prisoner. And he certainly didn't know that his boat was going to crash. See, God doesn't promise you a rose garden. 
Okay, in heaven, rose garden. But in the earth, you're going to have to walk things out. And there's, there's testings and there's trials and, and there are tribulations. But be of good cheer. He's overcome the world. Somebody say hallelujah. You can be encouraged. I love how God could trust an apostle. Paul could trust this man to be on a ship called Andromeda. The ship sinks. But if it wasn't for the apostle Paul, the 236 or however many, 37 souls or 86 or whatever you need to go look, it's in the book of Acts chapter 27. They're all spared because there's a man of God who stands up and says, the angel of the Lord stood next to me last night, the God in whom I, whom I, am, whom I serve and whom I belong. He says, none are going to perish. And they all survived on the island of Malta. They survived. The boat's gone, but everybody lived. And yet a snake comes and fashions, fastens on its hand, and he doesn't die. He knew he had to go to Rome. He knew that he was fulfilling the plan of God. And then God brings a healing revival on the island of Malta. Can God use you like that? Does he trust you enough, or do you quit when you're on the ship and it's falling apart? Come on, some of you are... Some of you are in the midst, this is, a, this is a word for some, if it fits, just take it. Some of you are in the midst of real trial and some real challenges. Don't, don't be disheartened. No temptation has seized you except that which is common to man, and God will make a way of escape. And he'll take what the devil meant for bad, and he turns all things for good for those that know him, those that love him are called according to his purpose, Romans chapter 8, 28. Verse 28. And so even though you might be on a ship that's seeming like you're falling apart and you're being persecuted, God will turn even that into revival if you let him. Can you say amen? amen? So the apostle Paul received these prophecies and, and all along these warnings. And I, I wonder why that is. And I ask the Lord, you know, why is that? And I think the reason that God will warn people and even encourage people and confirm things is because... He wants you to partner with him. I believe the word of God, uh, I believe the word was given to him to prepare the church. Number one, we're in uh, number four. Prepare the church for what was about to happen and for them to pray. I've received words that warned me. Anybody else received a warning word? Come on, watch out. I've shared it many times, but, you know, I have dreams. I have dreams and visions. That's because I'm middle-aged. And when I have, this will help you for those of you. How many of you dream a lot? I mean, you have dreams. Some of you are prolific. Raise your hand high. Let me teach you something. You dream. All right. How do you know what's a dream from God and what's a dream not from God or from pizza? How many of you a pizza dream or a God dream? Not every dream is from the Lord. Some dreams can be from the enemy. Some can be from your own soul. And some are from God. Now, I don't, I don't remember my dreams all that much. When I have a dream from God, let me tell you how it works for me. When I have a dream from God, I usually wake straight up at the end of that dream, and God's in my room, the presence of God's in my room, and, and he just emphasizes that thing. Like I could write it out, and I just got a dream, and God's presence is on the dream. Some dreams, you know, it's, it's not like that. And so you just will kind of file that. Other dreams are very clear. I know very clearly when God's talking to me through a dream, because it's just, it's really intense. One dream I had was a, a, a Bengal, white Bengal tiger. And not to tell you the whole dream, but there was this white Bengal tiger that tried to snatch my children. I rescued them, pulled them out of the room. Dream's basically over. I typed up the dream and I sent it to somebody who interprets dreams for me. And they sent me back the interpretation. It was a warning that it's going to come an unusual inside sort of job 
against your, against your kids to be careful. So I just go, well, Jesus' name, I cover that. I bind it right now. I take authority in Jesus' name, put it under the blood, protect my kids. Amen. I'm not in this. not a good, like, fear. Just that's what you do. So about two or three weeks later, I forget the timing of it. I'm, I'm in church, and uh, Danny's going to head off and go to this event. And uh, basically, Pastor Karen says, honey, how do you feel about that? Now, we do everything this way. Everything, everything. We pray, we go, Lord. And, you know, sometimes, sometimes your flesh will want to shout, you know. And, oh, you may be afraid, but you, you, have to, you have to discern. Not everything's God. So we pray, Lord, is this your will? And if we have peace about it, it's good, right? If we don't have peace, no deal. So we have about 98%. We're not there yet. We're, we, we look for our peace and mm, let's just hold on a second. So I go out to the car and I open the back door of my truck where Danny sits. I open the back door of my truck and there on the seat is a white Bengal rubber tiger about this big. The only thing is Danny didn't own one of those and I've never seen it before, ever. And so when I open the door and I look on the seat, there it is. It's not lying down. It's sitting there and it's looking at me. When that happens, I feel God's presence. And I thought, whoa. And immediately I think, the dream, the inside job. I pick the thing up and I go, Danny's not going. <laughs> Simple. Come back. I said, you wouldn't believe it. I told, told Pastor Karen. She's like, oh, yeah, deal's off. Hey, Danny, you're not going. Okay. And he skips off and does his own thing. But I believe it was something that was set up to warn. Listen, warnings are wonderful. Blessed is the obstacle that gets in the way of a man who's on this road to destruction. Look at, look at, uh, look at the next scripture, 1 Timothy 1.18. This charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you made you good warfare. So Timothy was in a call-out room, basically. He got this prophetic word. And I'd been prophesied over. Paul's reminding him of that. And he's saying, look, wage a good warfare. He's at war with those prophecies. How many of you know you're at war? Great. All three of you raised your hand. I'm just going to tell you, Ephesians says, we war not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities and rulers in dark places. It says in 1 Corinthians, I believe, chapter... Uh, it's in the Bible. says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. Is that 1 Corinthians 10, 6? The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty to God of the pulling down of stronghold. Look, you're in a battle. You're in a war. There's a devil who prowls around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. You don't need to be afraid of him, but also you don't be a fool. And he's, he's prowling around. And the, those that are wise will understand you're in a war. You're in a war. And so he reminds me, hey, you've got this gift this prophecy that was spoken over you, wage a warfare with it. And we're going to talk about that here in a second. But he was at war with those prophecies. 1 Timothy 4, 4. This is interesting. It says, Do not neglect the gift that is in you, which is given you through the prophecy and the laying on of hands of the eldership. There was an impartation of a spiritual gift that was given Timothy through the prophetic word and laying on of hands. Now, I'm just going to tell you right now, I have had more happen to me in altars and in call-out rooms I've been in these things since 1995. They've marked my life. It's, you don't have to be at some conference to have that happen. There's prophetic words that go forth on a regular basis here just because that's what happens here. We believe in prophecy. 
It's got to be biblical. It has to be weighed. It has to be judged. The person bringing the word has to have integrity and Christ-likeness and character. They have to have right doctrine, on and on and on. And a prophetic word will strengthen, encourage you, will build your faith. You know, I, I, I am the pastor of the church here at, at King's Chapel, Alaska. In fact, uh, by God's grace, I have uh, oversight over Alaska and over the U.S. team, along with Pastor Brian and uh, Pastor Chris Davis. And we have the privilege of heading that up for Dr. Morocco. Now, don't ask me how that happened. I just kept coming to church. I was just in a pew like y'all. And I'm still like y'all. Just loving Jesus, loving God, serving Him. Amen. Now, I will tell you, as I became a small group leader, first of all, I was in the choir. I was in the choir. And when I went to the choir, I began to feel more of the presence of God. And I thought, this is good. This is good. In other words, what I was experiencing up on the choir was a greater unction of the Spirit than I would experience in the seats. And he said, well, is that biblical? Well, the Lord is calling me to service, so I started serving. And when you start serving, a corresponding anointing comes on you. And so as I experienced that, along with Karen, we liked it. I thought, I like this. And so my mother said, you need to go to a small group. I'm like, thanks, Mom. I've told the story a hundred times. We went, eventually became an assistant, eventually became a leader. When I became a leader, I'll never forget them making me a leader. And, and Karen... There was actually even more unction of the Spirit, more anointing. Something changed. Reading the Word was different. Praying was different. Something happened to my life when I became a leader. I was like, man, it's like I traded in my slingshot and got a 22. I mean, man, this is pretty cool. And began sniping squirrels, squirrels left and right. Come on, somebody. And then to my amazement, I got elevated after that. And then after that. And after that, and there came this time when Dr. Morocco asked me to be a pastor on his staff. Now, being a pastor on our staff is different maybe than what you've experienced in some other churches. Somebody that just joins the staff is not made a pastor. That's not, that's not how we do it. We don't just give you a card and go, well, welcome to the pastorship. You know, that's not what happens. There's, there's tested, testings and trials, and, and, and there has to be a leading of the Holy Spirit. And, in fact, we have ministers that, are, is, that shows a, 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 an elevation. And so we've got some ministers here, Minister Micah, Minister Trent. And there's a bestowal process by which we do that. In other words, there's hands are laid on them. We pray. And what happens, I can't testify for these guys, but I can testify for my own life. When I had hands laid on me, you were there, Pastor Gannon. When I had hands laid on me, I took a knee. Dr. Morocco laid hands on me, and he lays hands on those who become pastors. Now, as we grow, that might change. And one day he's going to go to heaven and the vision will continue. Then somebody else is going to be laying hands. Maybe that'll be me. Maybe somebody else. I don't know. But there's an impartation that takes place. How many of you know what impartation means? There's, there's a, a download that happens from heaven. Now, I will tell you, in my life, my wife's life, and Karen became a pastor in her own right. When we had hands laid on us, for me, after that service, I went back to my house. I'm going to tell you, everything changed. I traded in my 22 and got myself a got myself a bazooka or an atom bomb or something. There was significant difference in prayer, significant difference in my study time, significant difference in everything. I realized like 
You know, those who have heart attacks and they make it and they come through the other side, they all say the same thing. The grass is greener, the birds are louder. Everything's just like, oh, I'm alive, I'm alive. You know what I'm talking about? It was like that, but in the spirit. It was like all of a sudden, something had changed. When I went to teach a small group, very different. When I went to preach, very different. Everything changed. Do you know that you could receive impartation from the Spirit of God that will change your life? And the Apostle Paul is telling Timothy to, to wage a warfare over that prophetic work. Don't neglect the... How many of you know you could neglect the gift? One of the things that, that I got put on me when I, when I was a leader um, was a gift of the evangelist. I remember exactly when it happened. We had some evangelists come by. The guy would just lead people to Jesus all the time. I, I charged and said, man, I want that gift. And I went to the front and I had hands laid on me. I'm, I've, old, I've been a soul winner basically from that time. I, you get around me, get around unsaved people, I'm going to get somebody saved. That's how it works. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? You know what happened, though? I neglected that gift for a season. You know why? Because I got really bent out of shape. I got offended. I, and I could tell you the whole... You know what? This is for somebody, so I'm going to do it, and it's only 829, uh, 12.29, so we're all good. I'm going to go just a few more moments times four. I was painting, and um, this guy's been in my life for every one of these experiences. It's wonderful to have covenant friendship. I was leading people to Jesus and all that, and I, I, uh, I was a painter when I was working in ministry with the youth. And uh, you, you were there, I think, when I preached in the youth. We, I preached my brains out. You were sick. And I remember that day like yesterday, and you were sitting down. You were just going off to Lanai, and you were sitting on the wall, and you were there with Lorraine, and, and God used me. And I thought I was going to be the next youth pastor. I was sure of it. I was sure I was going to be that guy. You were going to Lanai to go pastor a church, and you had this youth group where God's power is being manifested. We were buddies. God was raising me up, and it seemed like absolutely the choice that God would have would be me to follow you. Okay, so I'm leading people to Jesus, all this stuff. So an interesting thing happened was I get to preach for about three weeks. We're having a revival, man. I'm telling you, God's power is coming down, and I am beside myself. I wasn't a pastor yet. But I had this gift of the evangelist, and I had fire on me. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? You took off at a going away party, and I'm waiting to get the phone call from Dr. Morocco. You're going to be our new youth pastor. Except the phone call never came, and it was painful to wait. And I'm thinking, Lord. And I will never forget the announcement. Well, Steve Franks has come back to the islands, and he's going to be our new youth pastor. It was like, he's going to be our new youth pastor. I was like, no! No! I'm like, they missed God. Oh, you probably shouldn't say that. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. And I, I remember I went from preaching and calling down the fire, prophesying over people. You know what my next job was the following week? Steve took over. You know where I went? I went to the back with a little piece of paper at a desk about this big with a pen checking off people's names. And I sat there weeping while, 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 while they played some games. I lost my mind. No, I went from a, ah, went from fire to, I'm not mocking that. My wife's like, there's people that do that right now, honey. Look, that's, listen. 
I'm just telling you, I had some pride in me. I had issues. And I was so offended that I wasn't the guy speaking, that I wasn't the guy in the thing. And I'm going to tell you, God was reaching into my ugly heart and saying, you've got issues, son, but I couldn't even swallow it. Pastor Ganning's being touched. I was so offended. Do you know what happened? At that point, I turned, I turned off my gifts. I neglected them. I was so offended, I just turned them off. And I began just to go to work. I kept going to church. I was married. Karen was encouraging me. I stopped witnessing. I lost my joy. I, I, lost, I lost my fire. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't hardly do morning devotionals. It was just like, really, God? Really? I was so offended. I remember how I broke out. I remember how I restarted it, the motor. I was in prayer, and, and the Lord, oh, wow. Oh, yeah, this is a good story. It's going to help somebody. It's only 1231. I'm painting, and I painted with these two English guys that hated my guts, two atheists from England. They taught me how to paint. They hated me. Every Monday morning, I was a reminder of all the sin that they did over the week. And I was one of those, I wasn't like a quiet Christian. I'm a, you know, they would play their music, but look, there's three guys on the painting team, so each guy gets a third for the radio. I didn't sit there and listen to Team Bump and Grind and University of Twerk or whatever they're doing. <laughs> and so I got the radio for one third of that time, because that's, that's fair, right? So we made a deal. Well, the one third of the time I had the radio, Jack, I've just played revival music. And would like, I mean, God's presence would come. These guys would boil. Shut up, you Christian. I mean, I just had some problems with them. And so this one day, as I neglected the gift, I'm all offended. I'm not witnessing. I've lost my joy. I'm ticked off most of the time. They're throwing stuff at me while I'm painting. I get hit in the back of the head with a tape ball. I get hit with a brush. And, you know, you turn around and everybody's all. There's only two guys in the room. I mean, right? This goes on and on. Then they start picking on me on that day. And they start making fun of me. And I, I'm usually, I can just roll with it. They kept going and kept going. Now, before I got saved, I was married and I had two daughters. Have two daughters from a previous marriage prior to me being saved. And so these guys knew it because I told them my whole testimony. And so while I'm painting, the one guy says to me, Hey, if you're such a good Christian, how come God, if he even exists, didn't give you your daughters back yet? And when he said that, I was just like, I'm going to get unsaved right about now. And I could take the first hit, but he kept, kept needling me. He kept needling me. Man, you're a loser, dude. God doesn't exist, and you're a loser. And if he did exist, and you're, how, how long have you been through? Come on, come on. And he just kept on and on and on. It was like the devil, just, just like a woodpecker from hell. Does anybody just... And so finally, I was just all... And I just went, ah! I just left my stuff. And I figured the Lord's going to forgive me. Does anybody want to tell me? I rushed the guy on his ladder, got one inch from his face and say, I said, say one more thing. Just say one more thing. He's all, no. I said, that's good. And I walked away because I was just going to minister to him the fivefold. I lost it. 
I thought my sanctification went straight out the window, and I was going to bust him. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? I know you guys have never felt that way. I'm sure. Oh, holy people of God. So I realized I've gone into a flat-out rage, and I walk out of that, that place, and I walk down the driveway weeping that I have just blown my testimony. And the Lord is trying to touch me, but in my mind, I'm thinking about all my failures. And it was one thing after another. I mean, it went from elementary school all the way through elementary school. Went to high school, sporting events. It went to on and on and on of how I missed that and didn't get that scholarship because I did this and didn't follow through with that. And on and on and on and on and on. It just was relentless. Listen, don't even talk to the devil. He's just, he knows how to beat you up. And as I was walking and weeping, I mean like, oh God. Right at that time, the Lord breaks in and says, hey son, did I, did I call you to be a professional you know, professional um, sports person? Did I, did I call you to professional football? Did I call you to be a professional athlete? No, no, you didn't. Did I call you to do? No. Did I call you to be? No, no. I mean, it went through all this stuff. What did I call you to do? And I knew what he called me to. And when I heard that, I said, you called me to preach, Lord. You called me to stand. You called me to preach, pray, and prophesy. You called me to be a fisher of men. You called me to be a lover of God and a deliverer of men. And I'm going to tell you, the fire of God fell on me. When the fire fell on me, it was like, whoa, yes, I'm back. And the Lord said, here's what you're going to do. I want you to do something totally crazy. And to me, that just was like, I don't know, something big and crazy. Later that day, I got off of work. I went with my wife to Target. Target? Kmart. Went to Kmart, and I just, it was all these people, and it was like during the holidays. And we're walking, it's all these people. And all I could think is, break out, break out. <laughs> break out, break out, break out. And so I walked past one of these phones. And I remember saying to my wife, I said, i got to break out. i got to break out. She's all, what? I said, i got to break out. And she's pushing the cart. This is God's honest truth with Hannah. She's pretty good. She's like, what? I was like, I got to break out. So I reach and I grab the phone. You know, the, the intercom. I grab the phone. And she's like, oh, my God. She just took off. She took off praying in emergency tongues. And I grabbed that phone. I was like, come on, Jesus. And I looked at it and I figured it out. And I didn't know what else to do, but I figured I'm going to sing. So I sang some Christmas song. I don't even remember what song it was. And then I said, attention shoppers. It's Christmas time and you're buying gifts for your loved ones. But if you were to die tonight, and I straight blew it up, preached my brains out for just a few moments, received Jesus and I did the sinner's prayer and the whole thing. And I hung the phone up trembling with fire all over. I was like, yes! I will never forget what happened. I was ready to get arrested or whatever. There was a higher law at work. Guy coming down the, guy coming down looks at me and says, was that you? Was that you? And I'm like, yeah, it was me. He's like, all you Christians are the same. And he walked by me. I thought, it's a demon. It's actually not even somebody. I thought it was the manager. So I just turned and walked behind him. He said, get away from me. Get away from me. I neglected the gift because of offense 
And somehow God was able to break through. I know now looking back, had I become the guy in your place, that I would have failed. I know looking back, I know now what God has healed me of and set me free from, I'd have failed. I destroyed my life, destroyed my marriage. I wasn't ready. But don't neglect the gift that's in you through the prophetic word and through the laying on of hands. Somebody ought to say hallelujah. Look at D, 1 Corinthians 14, 3. Man, I just preached myself happy. Ah, ah, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Nothing's impossible for you. If he called you to do it, he'll put, he'll put it in you. Come on. He doesn't call you and then leave you busted and disgusted and broken, but he's after something on the inside of you. He wants to touch your heart. He wants to illuminate you. He wants to heal you. He wants to set you on fire. Don't get outside the will of God. Don't neglect the gift. Some of you neglecting some stuff. Don't neglect the gift. Say it. Don't neglect the gift. Say it again. Don't. I think I spit on you. I'm so sorry. First Corinthians. Quick. Hurry up. Our time's off. Time's gone. First Corinthians 14.3. The prophetic gift is for, and I like the NIV here, for strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. Wow. Strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. How many of you were strengthened, encouraged, and comforted? All right, what to do with your prophetic word? The first thing is, and worship team, would you come, please? The first thing is, very simply, be encouraged. Be encouraged. Be what? Be encouraged. Why, why would I be encouraged? Because God cares for you. He cares for you. He loves you. He cares for you. He knows you. He knows my name. He knows my every thought. He knows my name. He loved me enough not to make me the youth pastor. Because he knew. He revealed, how, do you know, how do you know what you're saying is true? He revealed it to me. He showed me. He says, you weren't ready, son. God has a wonderful plan for your life. Come on, somebody ought to say thank you, Jesus. God has a wonderful plan. God has got a wonderful plan. Come on, you ought to thank him right now. Mm, Lord, he... Thank you that you love me. Thank you that you know me. Thank you that you care. Thank you that you care. Thank you that you know my rising up and you know my setting down. Thank you that you know every thought. Thank you, Jesus. Secondly, go to war with your prophetic word. Well, how do you do that? You begin to speak forth the word over your life. It says in Habakkuk chapter 2, write the vision, verse 2, write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he who reads it may run with it. Listen, what did God say? If you entered into my house years ago when I was living in a little house in Kihei with this guy David, we had scriptures all over the wall. You came there. Do you remember that? If you looked on our walls, you had, we had scripture. I'm talking legal pad, little little stick it notes we had scripture all over we were waging warfare with the word is it hot in here can you turn the fan on please someone thank you 
And, and we would wage warfare. Lord, you said, you know the plans you have for me, plans to declare. Listen, you can prophesy of your own life. I've done it. Times of hopelessness. Lord, you said that you're going to, you got a plan. It's good. Not to harm me. You said you're not going to harm me. That's good news. Write it down. What, what do you believe in God to do for you? What has he spoken to you? What is the vision? What is the prophetic words? Write it down. And pray. Write it down. Pray. Thirdly, be holy or walk holy. 1 Timothy 1.19 says, Having faith in a good conscience, some have rejected. Some have what? Some have rejected concerning the faith. They've suffered shipwreck. Wow. Did you know you could shipwreck yourself? Listen, just because you got a prophetic word doesn't mean it's going to happen. You could go, go serve the devil today. The, the prophetic word you got is conditional. Conditional and unconditional. Unconditional, Jesus coming back. No matter what we do, where he's coming. You don't have to serve God. You choose to serve him or not. And if you choose not to, does that mean he's not coming? No, he's coming. It just means that you might not see that prophetic word fulfilled in your life. Be called to be a missionary, called to be a great entrepreneur. But then you go, you know, and yield to the addiction. Or you go and you yield to, you know, anger matters. Lust matters. Greed. Greed matters. He's trying to get at you. He's trying to get at me. He's trying to change us to be more like him. In this 70 or 80 year internship. I'm claiming 120. I just, I just did it. How many of you ever heard me say that? 120, 120 years. Do you know why I just said that again? Because 70 or 80 years, right? And there's some, some scriptures that say, well, you know, 70, 80 years is given man, blah, blah, blah. But there's another place that says 120. Okay, so I said, you know, this 70, 80 years that is an internship. Well, I'm not including myself in that because I'm going for 120. So I'm not talking out of two sides of my neck. Does anybody understand? Look, it, listen, if you're a tither and you, and you give, but you don't, have, you don't have resources right now, you're not broke. I'm just going to go over here. You're not broke. What are you? You're invested in other areas. You're not broke. You're invested in other. Now, if you're not a tither, then you are definitely broke. Whether you have money or not, you're still broke. Come on, someone say, I'm invested. Do, do you get what I'm saying? You, what's coming out of your mouth? Salt water and fresh water can't come out of the same well. Cursing and blessing can't come out of the same well. If you're going to wage a good warfare, you got to walk holy and speak right. Speak holy. These guys suffered shipwrecked and were turned over to Satan. Listen, immorality will ensnare you. It'll hinder what God wants to do. You can abort, you can abort God's plan for your life. You can abort the plan. Just don't live right. Without holiness, no man will see the Lord. It's a whole service, series of messages right there. Look at D. Utilize the gifts that God's given you. Don't neglect the gift. I bragged on Minister Micah, but I could brag on every one of my staff. Minister Micah, he reminded me on Saturday morning at our gate in the well, the men's and women's meeting Saturday morning. He was talking about at the prophetic conference years ago. And it's got to be nearly 10 years, right? 
That's a while ago. Maybe nine, eight years, something like that. Eight, nine years. Just before you came, right? So I was in a room, and I had the privilege of bringing the word of the Lord towards the, to the fifth 40 people or so that were there. And um, I like music a lot. And uh, so he's playing now. It helps facilitate the flow of God's presence for me. And, uh, and that's a biblical thing. Uh, the prophet called for a musician. And so they told me, yeah, uh, Micah Pisoni can play. I know Micah Pisoni from the time he's this big. He was always one of the little shepherd boy in the, in the singing Christmas tree Christmas musical thing that we did. He's, his kids are fifth generation KC. Fifth generation in the church. His children. No, that's amazing. I'm just telling you that's amazing. And so he's fourth, right? That's amazing. Four generations in the same church? Yep. Amazing. What I didn't know is when he was there, I didn't know that he could only play one chord. He didn't play like he's playing now because something happened to you. I remember prophesying over him that God was going to raise him up, that he'd be in ministry, that he'd be a pastor on staff. And all he could play is one chord. He played that one chord, and I got kind of, I, I can get it kind of a rut. How many of you know you hear this? It's like, okay. And so I look back, I said, dude, change it up. He's like, he didn't even know any other chords, but he like guessed and got it right or something. It seemed to work. He hasn't neglected the gift. God's using him remarkably well. Listen, don't neglect the gift. Utilize gifts God's given you. You see, if you don't use your gifts, and God will take them and give them to somebody like him. Because he's faithful and he's loyal. Come on, smile at me. I'm almost done. Lastly, continue to obey what the Lord is saying to you. Continue to obey what the Lord is saying to you. And you're responsible for your life. At the end, you stand before the Lord in your birthday suit, spiritually speaking. There's nobody else that's going to be able to do anything for you. You're going to stand there. You're going to give an account for your life. And you can, you can try to, you know, your grandma can't help you. Amen. Your, your mom can't help you. Your dad can't help you. Pastor, small group leader, you're going to stand there and give an account for your life. And you can't say, well, that prophet you sent me told me. Listen, you're accountable for whatever word that you have. You have to stand before God. The prophet, the unnamed prophet, was sent by the word of the Lord from Judah to Bethel to prophesy over the altar. And he prophesied, altar, oh, altar on you will be burned, the bones of the so on and so forth. And the king reached out his hand and his hand shriveled back. And he said, pray for me that my hand would be restored. It's in the book of Kings. He prayed for him and his hand is restored. And that's a picture of the prophetic even bridging over to political halls. And I believe that God, I believe that's right ahead of us. I've received a word about that. And I believe that God's going to do that. I believe God's going to raise up people. Wouldn't it be amazing? Wouldn't it be amazing if the police department called people of God that knew how to hear and see and instead of psychics? It can happen. These gifts are real prophet didn't obey the word of the Lord because some older prophet, maybe he was jealous, I don't know what the deal was, but he lied to him and said, oh, come home with me. And the prophet, the, the younger guy could have said, hey, Lord, do you, did you change your mind? The Lord said, no, but he didn't do that. He listened to the word of somebody else. Listen, you are responsible for your own life before God. You can't blame anybody else. Come on, say you can't blame anyone. 
When you make decisions, make certain you know what you're doing is God. Because things happen. Stand on your feet. A broken and contrite heart, God will not spurn. Slow down. Pull the reins in. Those that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. Slow down. Man makes plans, but God directs his path. The Holy Spirit, speak to my brother right now. Lord, you know exactly where he needs to be, what he needs to do. Come on, pray in the Spirit. Lift your hands to Jesus. Lift your hands to Him. Come on, stand up on your feet all across this place. Lift your voice. Lift your voice. Lift your voice to the throne. Worship Him. Worship Him. Worship Him. Yeah. Pastor Michael Gannon, go prophesy over him. The guy just, my dear brother Nils, just you and him. Hey, Nils, do you have a phone? You got a phone on you? Good, record it before he says one thing. And I want you to know this. Nils, I want you to know something. Do you know him? Have I talked to you about him? Before God, that's right. Isn't that right? Good. Listen to what the Lord says. He's about to talk to you. All right? You need to, you need to hear that. Record it. Play it back. Did you get something from God? Did you... Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we worship you and we bless you. We praise you. I pray for those who've been neglecting their gifts. Lord, that you'd reveal to us if we're neglecting anything that you've imparted to us. That we would be a people pliable, flexible molded by the hand of the master we'd not be filled with why and shaking of our fist and bitter attitudes no Lord we would contend for the word of God whether it be a warning be a people of prayer see the hand of God manifested or the strengthening encouragement that would release faith even now 
Lord, we'd write it out, make it plain that we would contend, we'd wage a good warfare over the prophetic words spoken over us. Lord, you are in, con in control of every infinitesimal detail of our lives. And you love us. And you care for us. And you know us. And you know exactly what we need when we need it. And that there is no weapon that's formed against us that shall prosper. And every tongue that rises in condemnation shall be condemned, for that is the inheritance of the saints. Thank you that the good work that you began in us, you were faithful to complete it to the day of Christ Jesus. Thank you that you're causing us to will and act according to your good purpose. Thank you that you're molding us and making us into your very image and likeness, Lord, Christ-like in our character. And that you, Lord, would fulfill the prophetic word spoken over us corporately. Thank you that you gave us the land. You certainly wouldn't give us the land if you're not going to build the building. We're going to break ground in the spring. Come on, say it. We will break ground in the spring. Thank you for resolution to every obstacle, every mountain be moved. Lord, personally, come on, pray for your own self. Service is almost over. Personally, would be a people that are not moved by circumstances. Would be a people that are moved by your word, not by fear and greed. No, by faith and generosity, we'd be moved. And Lord, thank you that you will fulfill every heart's cries we delight ourselves in you you give us the desires of our heart hallelujah if you're here and you're not right with god give your heart to him today whether it be for the first time or in recommitment if that's you i want you to pray this right out loud come on everybody right out loud reaffirm your faith or do it for the first time or recommit say dear heavenly father thank you for sending your son jesus to die in my place. Forgive me of all of my sin. And thank you that on the third day he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. Come into my life and be my Lord. Be my Savior. Wash me and cleanse me. Make me new. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Amen. Let me pray for you. Holy Spirit, I pray you touch, bless each and every one that you would help us to be, Lord, what you've called us to be. We'd not look at circumstances or situations. We'd look to you. And thank you that you will fulfill every prophetic word and even destiny and purpose for which we were born. You'd fulfill it in our lives, in our children's lives. Lord, for us corporately, here at KC, Alaska, and even worldwide, you'd fulfill the vision. Raise up many, many leaders here. Raise up many, many leaders, I pray, in the marketplace as well as in the house, ministry. Lord, political halls, Lord, raise them up. Entrepreneurs, raise up your people for the glory of God. In Jesus' name, Lord, bless your people. Cause your face to shine upon them. Lift up your countenance towards them. Be gracious to them. Keep them. Give them peace. Amen. Hey, God bless you. We'll hope to see you tonight, 6 o'clock. Pastor Michael Gannon will be preaching and flowing in the Holy Ghost. You don't want to miss that. And an annual business meeting for all the formal members. Although anybody can come, only formal members can vote, is tonight, immediately following the service. Uh, actually, shortly after this evening service. God bless you. Thanks for listening to King's Chapel, Alaska and Pastor Daniel Bracken. Our passion is making disciples of Jesus Christ who fulfill God's life call and help us to be the personal, powerful, and permeating church God's called us to be. 
Get in touch with us anytime at 907-357-2065, 907-357-2065, or online at kcalaska.com, kcalaska.com. Friend us on Facebook and follow Pastor Daniel's tweets at Alaska Revival.